hallmark of living systems is that they maintain or reduce the entropy by increasing the entropy around them. So life maintains or increases its complexity by making its environment messier. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all humankind. Your host in Guildford, England, Matthew Russell. There you go, a quote by Max Tegmark about why it's inevitable that we make things messy and people need to uh, tidy things up, which kind of leads to my topic of sustainability and Swedes. So today I'm joined by Henrik Lamper, who is the head of sustainability at the Swedish Space Corporation. And as I mentioned in the chat, we haven't really talked about the Swedish Space Corporation a lot on the show. I'm glad we've got a chance to rectify that. Anyway, I'd just like to say congratulations to SpaceX for an amazing launch of Starship. It was really incredible, and I'm a a particular unfan of the discussion about whether it was a failure or a success. The actual reality is, is kind of meaningless, those terms for an experiment like the one that we saw. It's a bit annoying that the press insist on calling it a failure in great big letters everywhere. However, it's an awesome display and some of the videography and stuff like that, like the Everyday Astronauts coverage, was truly spectacular. So well done, everyone. Let's go over to this really cool interview with Henrik Lamper from the SSC, or the Svenska Rimdaktiebolaget, or something like that. Here we go. Eikutai. You're listening to the Interplanetary Podcast, putting the ace back into space. So I am joined on the podcast by Henrik Lamper, who is the head of sustainability at the Swedish Space Corporation. Welcome to the show, Henrik. Thanks a lot. A pleasure to be here. Well, I don't think we've talked about the uh, Swedish Space Corporation on on the podcast before. And having sort of been reading about it over the last couple of days, it's it's a pretty big deal. So uh, can you share some of your insight to the whole organization before getting to your bit? So we are around 650, a bit north of that. And we are spread across the globe uh, in different ways through our different parts where we are supporting the, the the space value chain in different ways. So we have a division called Engineering Services, which are helping with setting up uh, missions or mission designs. Uh, that division is also do, uh, actually working with some of these uh, space operation centers for ESA and for, for DLR in, in Germany as well. Uh, and then we have uh, a very versatile spaceport up in north of Sweden called S-Range, where we are doing, since more than 50 years, suborbital uh, rockets for, for scientific purposes, atmospheric tests, microgravity, and, and things like that. And, and we are also, we have been releasing balloons for all of that as a long time for this very large atmospheric balloons um, going across the Atlantic at times together with NASA and, and, and CNAS and, and, and researchers and scientists. Um, uh, and then we are 
exciting things happening up at the as the spaceport where we are going into launching orbital uh, rockets as well, uh, which we we have ina- inaugurated the spaceport and that capability, and now we are uh, um, looking to towards our our first launch um, um, end of this year or or, or next year. Or end of end, end of twenty twenty four and, and and or so in 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 a year in years time or so um, could be twenty twenty five. So um, so that's really exciting to be then part of the first um, sort of getting getting the the satellites and and uh, up up in different orbits. And and coming to the orbit side, then we we go into we we don't do satellites anymore. We used to do that in the in the past. Uh, we are sort of then a pure service company, and and we sold off our capability to do satellites to OHB. <clears throat> but then we have our ground system services, where we are supporting all sorts of um, uh, low Earth orbits, or geo, or meo, or any of those orbits, and and uh, we are also sort of the commercial leader within cis lunar. And and uh, lunar communication and, and then deep space is is also something we are doing. Um, and then at the end of that sort of space value chain, we are also exploring how we can work with data analytics, uh, satellite data for sustainability purposes to help companies to to drive sustainability at their own sites or at supplier sites, measure things because there is a lot of untapped potential in what you can do with all that satellite data uh, on on Earth observation, for example. So I guess that was a bit of an overview. And I think 200 of us or a bit no more, maybe closer to 300 are based in Sweden, but the rest are down in Europe. We have our our antenna sites across the globe as well and and a a sales team, um, for example, in the US. So spread across. Yeah, so so absolutely enormously. I know a lot of the interplanetary podcast listeners will, will have heard about the ES Range January inauguration of Orbital Launch. I think that's the thing that excites a lot of people. But you're part of the sustainability in space and and advocating that. Yep. So how does that actually fit in when it comes to the core vision and, and what the Space Corporation are trying to achieve overall? Yeah, so so what really brought me to I'm a purpose driven person myself and and. And the mission we are on to is help Earth benefit from space. So for me, that was that was uh, truly motivating and one of the very com- contributing uh, factors to to me joining this uh, this enterprise. And and um, so that's the mission. And our vision is to be um, uh, to be the leader with in supplying um, sustainable space services. So what the, what do we mean by that? Because I think that there is there is a lot of assets, there is a, fant- a lot of fantastic things that we are providing when it comes to our services, how we are just going through the value chain. I talked about how we're helping to sort of solve some of these sustainable development goals when it comes to having platforms for, for science purposes on atmospheric research, for example, um, understanding you know, how we can help propel science development through our platforms, um, being part of the value chain for Earth observation satellites, for example, and being sort of the 
uh, a, a link uh, for for data uh, transfer of that to, to eventually help measure and understand the state of the planet, how we are doing, how we are progressing on climate-related issues, biodiversity, um, pollution. I mean, there is a lot of things, a lot of potential in terms of what analyzed base data can do, how you can do things smarter and better on, on the globe. So there is a lot of things that are actually integrated as part of the service offering. Another part which I feel, I think that part I'm just talked about, a lot of space uh, folks have an intuitive understanding about. Uh, but we are also one industry among many other industries. Uh, so we have also a footprint to take care of. So, I mean, we want to, I mean, all of our customers, if we believe the, the Paris Agreement to be true, all industries need to go to zero. And, and, and I mean, we are a reliable partner for, for space missions, but we are also a reliable, responsible partner in terms of decarbonization. So we need to go to zero that's the easiest number to remember of all numbers for all emissions in the full supply chain of, of, of SSC. Because even though we are supplying services, that is on an infrastructure. And, and, and we are launching rockets. But if we are breaking it down, um, and, and eventually when we launch 10 orbital rockets, not the smallest, not the biggest, but something uh, sort of in the, in the smaller section of, of of, of mid, what we are sort of aiming for, if we were to do 10 of them with sort of the traditional RP-1, the, the, the kerosene-based, that would still be, with some, uh, some suborbital rockets, 0.7% of the full footprint. It's not zero, that's not the message, but it's a lot less than people intuitively think. So where do we have the, the pockets of CO2 emissions in our value chain? 90% is supply chain. So to decarbonize, um, we need to have great collaborations with our suppliers and the partners that are helping to provide success for us. I think that's a joint mission that I think is really exciting, um, which we need to do. And I, I can talk more about that. But it's also, of course, we have this large site up at this range where, I mean, we are growing. So we are also hampering biodiversity potentially. So we need to manage aspects like biodiversity to minimize harm or, or, or um, uh, it could be, I mean, managing pollution uh, from, to water and to air. Um, but it's also things like human rights. Who, what are the customers that we work with? And what is their mission? Who is that customer and who owns this, this, this enterprise? Can we actually serve them? Do we, should we empower them with our services or not? And what about that supply chain that I talked about? So it's a lot of different aspects on the people side and definitely also on the environmental side where some of these things need to go to zero, others need to be minimized, other risk needs to be managed and so on. But it's, it's not, it is not rocket science. Uh, <laughs> but, but we... I think that our industry has some homework to do here because our future perception also depends on that we are seen as a responsible industry that are not just focusing on having as much services online, but also 
making sure that we do the homework because we are as well. There was a lot to unpack there because yep. because you kind of had an internal an internal push and an external push so that there was obviously a lot of the services that you're providing are to help the globe as it were like a, a lot of space systems yep. like you know earth earth observation satellites are, are absolutely crucial in kind exactly. of climate con, you know climate control etc so the, the the company it's the, the whole of what what uh, the swedish space corporation are trying to achieve is pushing that agenda as it were not not even agenda but 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 like yeah. getting those kind of messages across but also <laughs> internally looking in on yourself yes to sort of say, you know, what can we do better and make sure that like, everything that you're doing up to those sort of processes on a kind of external level are happening internally as well. So it's it's a it's a pretty it's a, so <laughs> you've got quite a big job cut out for you. Is does it feel like that? I mean, did I get that right? Yeah. I mean, I, that it's a, like a very big external and internal message. I, I think in my head, I tried to look at this up. Uh, I mean, as much service we can provide that is helping the globe, the more the merrier because it's mapping well against the sustainable development goals Mm. in terms of what we are providing in, I mean, communication, navigation, and and earth observation uh, and and exploration as well. But it's also looking at the footprint side or at the cost, if if you will. What is the cost Mm. of of providing that? And we need to to manage the cost to, to... to, to the planet and, and humanity in that sense, like or people. So, so I, yeah, it's definitely rowing the boat with those both of those tools. Otherwise, we we, we will not that that's sort of a, a dual mission in a sense. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting you said about you know the, like the human rights things. We, we we've had previous guests who talked about you know aborigines that look up in the night sky and see satellites flying over. You know, surely they they deserve a voice as well because it's it's like you yeah. Can, they, they they didn't have a say in in those satellites going up yet it is obviously impacting them as you know as aboriginal people so yep. it's it's really fascinating how you can particularly i guess government agencies and 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 agencies associated with with government entities take part in that can can you give us an example of some of the sort of swedish space corporation missions that are coming up and how overall that you're trying to implement sustainability into the operations of those particular missions well i, I think for all of our customers, I mean, when it comes to the Connect business, what we're doing with with uh, the ground segment, uh, the global network, we are going towards zero on on um, how we are powering the the the, the sites as, as such, where we are basically rolling out uh, solar panels. Where that makes sense um, on the. And in the north of Sweden, where you have a lot of sunlight on one part of the year and, and not so much on the other side, we use geothermal, for example, as, as sort of the big energy source to, to heat up things and hydro, uh, hydro, um, hydro, what is it called? Hydroelectric is, is the English word I'm looking for. Yeah. Uh, so, so there we are going down 25% in terms of, of what is called scope two emissions. If you look, at, you use this fancy word of, of the global greenhouse gas emission is which is sort of the framework for for the accounting so that goes for for any any mission that it will be eventually powered only by renewable energy sources uh, so we did Santiago which is one of the ground stations uh, last year and this year we are, are rolling out on Western Australia where we're also making our operations better by adding uh, a battery 
so we can actually have uh, sort of renewable in the nighttime as well, which is making us less reliable on on on, on the grid systems. Uh, so in that sense, we want to make it easy for our customers uh, uh, to to we will be a supplier that is is sort of helping them on their journey to zero because all companies need to go there or or they will not exist. That's that's what we fundamentally believe. Um, but but if we talk about um, if we talk about how we are sort of developing uh, our business for for a Deloche segment, we are working up in S range, helping customers for reusability, for example, because that's a, a European capability we are lacking now. And <clears throat> and if we look at the savings that has, it I guess it will depend on how many times will you be able to reuse it. If you will look on the other side of the pond, they are doing it fantastically well. And coming back to where you have the CO2 emission, in many times you have it from the supply chain, from having the steel being made and produced and and and, and processed. So if you can take away that part and reuse, you will have a, a, a very favorable outcome, not just from a financial point of view, but also from a resource point of view and, and a, a climate point of view. So that's something we are doing. And then also testing new rocket fuels, because I used to work in, in the aeros, um, with, with airliners in the, in the past. That's fully dependent on kerosene, but the portfolio of new propellants for, for the space industry, well, pro- Kerosene and RP1 is, is obviously a big one, but you have a big push for methane, for example, which can be biogen, biogen or you can have hydrocarbons as well, like, like pro, uh, propane. propane. Uh, so so th- that's sort of how we are helping. We are also working with, I mean, if we look at sort of the ground station, uh, we're supporting different lunar missions or cislunar missions together with with, um, uh, um, I mean, looking at Chandrayaan, for example, was one of the the, the latest examples. Uh, so, so that's of course on the same infrastructure where, where they managed to, to 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 reach the pole. Were you involved with the Chandrayaan mission? Yeah, so we supported that on communication. Yeah, so so like all these big space missions, they they pretty much require international involvement and. Are there sort of like, for example, with your lunar missions, yep. NASA themselves obviously have stringent goals that they're trying to sort sure. of stick to. Do you sign up to those, or do you have to be compliant with those to work with NASA, or do you work together to try and uh, develop those goals in the first place? I guess it will depend on on mission. So if you look at it on the European side, for example, part of setting up missions are are actually done by one of our divisions. They are sort of in that space. The engineering, engineering division, um, but I think that when it comes to sustainability, we didn't talk so much about managing space debris or objects and so on. That's actually a capability that we're also building up, which is relevant for for all sorts of missions, of course. Uh, but there is also collaboration w- together with ESA, and and luckily a lot of other players as well, um, like like. Some of the uh, the primes in in Europe, Airbus, OHB, uh, Ariane, uh, Thales Alenia, for example, together with ESA has has signed something called the Responsible Space, 
where we agree on the decarbonization part in line with the Paris Agreement to coordinate like supply conduct, which is capturing human rights issues, but also the space debris side, because supporting the zero debris um, vision that that ESA is is, uh, is uh, driving towards. So it's it's I mean we want to be a pl- player that is helping to push up the level and sending those signals. Uh, so it's actually being an integral part as well in in setting up missions. But but our direct involvement in 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 the mission planning, I guess that's um, outside of what we are are sort of supporting with with engineering is is I guess. Uh, not so much, but I, I mean, that's the kind of signals that we want to convey as well, because our future perception, our industry future perception depends on, on us doing a lot of things in this area. Remind me with the Paris Agreement, what year did you have to get down to net zero? Is it is it 2030? Is that? Uh, so, so no, this, the Paris Agreement said for, first of all, it's agreed on a 1.5 degree, which is super challenging 2050. Mm. So getting down to zero 2050. Uh, we have as a company set 2040, and we don't just say this is this is SSC fuels electricity, but we also take, of course, when you are traveling, transport, whatever is relevant from that greenhouse gas protocol, which includes all procurement, all the makings of our of infrastructure, the raw material, and all the way through, um, and and. And and uh, yeah, so that that's basically what what the, the Paris Agreement said. And to me, it's that's a huge undertake to do that. And and I take inspiration, and I did that already before I I, I entered the, the space industry, in in sort of uh, the the lunar, the very first lunar mission from from US to 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 put that end goal. Uh, to do that moonshoot goal, to say, we need to do this. Do we know how to do it? No, we don't. But mm. we just need to figure. And that is increasing the chances of getting there by thousands of percent. Because they, they uh, you don't aim for, for, uh, for Bristol and then you end up on the moon. <laughs> you, you increase the chance a lot to go to the moon if, if you say that in the first place. So I think that's being clear on what zero is. I guess that's also what the, the world leaders wanted to do, and that means things for us as an industry and us as a business. Yeah, when you when you say that you chose to sort of do it where you're where you're net zero by twenty forty, because that, that, I mean, I, I follow quite a few of the uh, quite a few blogs about about climate change and and how worried you know it, it seems to have it seem we seems to be at a place where yes. <laughs> where the science scientists have kind of agreed we, we were going to be at decades ago, and everyone's waking up to it and and. But the Paris Agreement, you know, it it seemed like th- that that one point five is is fairly horrible in in the first place, and and to get there is going to be super hard, and that probably net zero by twenty fifty wasn't enough, and and is that why you've chosen sort of like twenty forty, or is it, it it just or it just felt like it was achievable in terms I of, think of it, getting down to that? I think we will help our customers by getting there earlier. Um, and and we want to be part of the solution. We don't want to see what is the the lamest way we can get away with, uh, <laughs> but really try to, because we hope we can um, we can learn a lot of things from others, and hopefully others can get inspired by us. And and I think I think this is 
something we just need to get on with. And I don't think it's, yeah, I, I, there might be other companies that don't want to go for an a sooner. So, so we we felt that was sort of the the responsible approach. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's that's always a frustration, isn't it? That you can have companies that that steal an, an economic edge by perhaps not caring in the short term oh. about the, about achieving those 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 goals. But I think it will be very commercially attractive as well, because all companies uh, are coming. I mean, if you look at, I mean, they talked about this transitional, uh, this transition to zero that means something for all companies and. People are reading in their newspaper, sitting at home, uh, about climate change and so on. So, if you don't manage to get to zero and and actually, I mean, sooner or later, you will also also have in your invoice what was the the, the kilograms or tons of CO two in this service delivery or in other industry or in a product delivery. I mean, if you manage to do that earlier than than the competitors, that will be attractive. We think that will be part of of of, um, of the delivery as well are there little companies out there little startups that that you keep an eye on in terms of uh, in terms of you know these are the people that are trying to innovate in areas like like you said like like um uh, propulsion uh, materials and things like that 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 are, are those the sort of things that as a corporation you look out for and 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 seed money into or 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 or, or sort of encourage or or yeah. or, or or talk to and 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 advise and etc. But I, I think innovation is really important in this transformative time. So that was really part of the reason for us to start with the satellite data for sustainability, trying to find customers outside of the space industry where satellite data with analytics on top would actually add value to them. Um, but it's also us, you know, looking at AstroScale that we have been supporting. Uh, in terms of our services, they are doing um, uh, really exciting stuff in terms of the space debris situation and 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 uh, with their LZD mission, for example, that we supported. But uh, so I think it's it's. Uh, but I think we are open to see how we can help to propel this with companies or partners that are interested to 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 join forces. And I think this responsible space. Uh, by that was initiated by ESA and, and actually Kness was really early on on that as well. Is is really one such example of, of how collaboration can move move these things faster. When you're talking about your in, innovation of rocketry at, at Esrange yeah. uh, and 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 the rocket launch rocket launch, then you're sort of you're working towards a 2024 2025 launch. Yep. Uh, which 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 always like when it, it's, it's been a sort of on, ongoing kind of uh, theme in on the podcast is that, that nothing ever comes at, like as quick as you you think it's going to with with uh, rocket launches. Yeah. <laughs> Apart from maybe Starship, that did seem to take me by surprise when 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 that's like taking off on a on a you go it can't be that can't be happening. But uh, it, it, can you can are you able to talk more about that that kind of what what you're doing in that area uh, as range in sort of a bit more detail. I mean, uh, I mean, as a company, we are looking to find uh, sort of finalizing the partnerships and so on, and and getting getting things ready for uh, when when you have a partner, you are obviously making adjustments to to make things ready for for the launch. 
So, so that's sort of exciting times happening, uh, of course now, and and uh, where as when it comes to, to sustainability, uh, the focus there is to whenever we are making expansion or when we are doing rebuilds, we go for geothermal, hydro, electric, uh, using you know, certification on 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 infrastructure and so on. But it's also really something that we are starting with now is. We need to procure in a smarter way. We need to be closer to the suppliers because they need to to supply zero emission fittings to have inside the, the buildings or materials and so on, and and to 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 increase the chances of having as many great suppliers as possible. We need to be clear on the messages. How do we get them along? How can we? How can we? How can we, as soon as possible, reach zero or halving our emissions to 2030, which is sort of an intermediary goal? In my mind, and and you, and, and you, 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 you can correct me or, or or back me up here. In my mind, it, with 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 things like sustainability and yeah. yeah, looking at your supply chain and how things are done, it's better to not emit the carbon and find ways where you're not where you're emitting a small amount of carbon as possible rather than just going for it in the normal way and then offsetting is <laughs> yeah yeah no matter offsetting to me that is uh, that's failure um i mean and and what i mean by that is i think we shouldn't use any penny or we use kroner in sweden any money we have on the investment side as opposed to doing an offset because the offset is here and now, and it's offsetting a, a year historically, but it doesn't get you, it doesn't make you better. It doesn't make your emission next year going down. So if we were doing offsetting instead of installing solar or solar electricity on our sites, we would manage this year, but we will manage the next one and the next and the next and so on. So I think that, um, I mean, finding smart offsetting instruments that are a lot more intelligent than they are now uh, will, of, of course, evolve down to 2040. And then if we see that we are, so we are saying net zero 2040, it mm. could mean that we find partners that are actually not supplying net zero emissions to us, and we might need to use some of these instruments. But before that, we want to really make sure that we are investing on the right things at the right time to make our capability go towards net zero or, you know, our, our, when we are supplying our services, it should be net zero through, you know, I mean, in the future, it is net zero steel. I mean, they're making two steel mills up in north of Sweden now that are net zero steel using a totally different technology. I mean, those kind of future uh, technologies needs to be the mainstream in 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 a not distant future. So that's a big transition that we, as an industry as well, need to tap into. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that that's awesome because I've always thought with, with offsetting, not everyone can offset. Like Everyone can't offset or else you may as well. <laughs> everyone should just be doing the offsetting, right? So I, I, it's... it's, it's um, but yep. with a lot of sustainability always comes down to not just one big solution, but lots the hundreds and hundreds of little yes. solutions. And yeah. and how do we get to that? And how do I, I think something resonates when you say that because I, I 
I said the other week, someone asked me about sustainability. And, and so my, my role, I guess, for customers and, and, and definitely internally is to be the chief demystification officer of sustainability. So when, because when I say, hi, my name is Henrik, I work with sustainability, uh, the people in front of me will tell me before they say their name, they will say, I'm source sorting my waste at home. So as a concept, sustainability is bringing a lot of conscious, bad conscious or, or, or so it's, it's, it's sort of a, it's a, it's a, a word with, with some luggage in a sense that people don't know exactly how to relate to that. But my role is to explain how this is actually driving business, being attractive for our customers or how we can be resource smart, bringing down costs as well, and how we can create sustainable value. I'm thinking about those two, the dual mission of, of adding sustainability into the service and then also managing our footprint and, and really try to break it down and make it possible. So whoever is, is um, the, um, the engineer or, or so should be sustainability manager and that role. Whatever role you have, you should be the sustainability manager. My role is to help them understand and get the tools to do that because then we can go to scale because the brilliance within those different areas lies within them. And if they can realize, but wow, is this sustainability? Well, then I can do like that. And, and you can release a lot of power and, and, and then all of a sudden it's not the mystical topic. It's not rocket science. And then, and then it becomes pretty fun. It doesn't become a burdensome topic, or it's it's interesting. I I know exactly what you're saying about the sustainability, and and what you say how you know I need to make my life more sustainable, and and you always think it's an extra thing that you have to do. It's, yeah. it's 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 like a sort of postscript, as it were, to your life, and and you kind of have to juggle things around, and it's and it's an inconvenience. But I suppose in the space industry, we should be. You know, more more than anything, where if you look at the the success that SpaceX have had commercially yeah. with creating something that's more sustainable, right? I mean, it's it's yeah. like that they launch this. It happens that the commerciality comes from its sustainability, presumably. And 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 they are also, you know, one of those examples where they are going strategically towards methane, for example, for all sorts of reasons. But but that can really be a propellant of the future, also from. But you can you can make that in different ways. You don't need to use it as as natural gas, for example. So so when we are doing uh, together with Ariane and, and Isa, the the theme is where they are doing uh, starting to do jump test up at their range, for example. That is biogen methane that we'll use as as the propellant. Um, so so I mean there there is there is a lot of things happening and there is a lot of unreleased power in a sense in terms of making this transition, which I think is really creative and fun and, and, and trying to help people understand that because then when they get that, they don't need me anymore. I can be a sounding board or so. And, and <laughs> my role is to do that and then help with making sure that our business strategy is a sustainable one. So we don't have a business strategy and then we have a sustainability strategy. They need to be one and the same. Yeah, and you you mentioned earlier on it's 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 not obviously just getting to to carbon net zero, but the but the the space debris thing is obviously a completely yes. different kettle of fish. Yeah, it, it falls under your remit as well of sustainability. You you can't obviously have sustainable satellite industry, for example, if if you've got <laughs> if you've got some no exactly. terrible debris event happening. So yeah, I mean, and and that's really. 
that's obviously a concern for 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 all of us in in, in the space industry, for all of our different business segments, of course, we are reliant on the function in Leo or 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 the other orbits as well, and and it, and it's getting crowded. So that's also why we are we have um, uh, we have sort of a new optic station in in Western Australia where we are are looking at how we can can be part of the solution in that sense in terms of cataloging and tracking objects and 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 uh, which could be helpful for our customers uh, in the future but it also can can be helpful helpful for the common good to to make sure that we have control in the leo and we can can sort of you know we, we <laughs> no one really knows what will be will be that sort of solution on 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 the traffic management if you will for for mm. uh, for the leo orbits or 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 so but but that's really uh, one of those challenges for 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 us as an industry and for us as a company where we want to see how can we be helpful, what kind of capabilities can we provide to to help solve this. What you're saying is that there's lots of complex problems. Yes. But normally complex problems bring innovation, excitement, yeah. you know, rejuvenation, don't they, to, sure. to do anything? Sure. And and I think. I think also having a strong mission is attracting brilliant engineers, brilliant minds to us as a company where they can, because they want to help solve this kind of these types of problems and they want to be on a company that is actually being clear on where they are going in terms of what kind of missions you want to support and also taking care of your, of your footprint. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it, and and yeah, that is driving innovation. That's driving brilliant people to come up with new types of solutions. Yeah, you you mentioned an optical antenna. What, what exactly is an optical antenna in in Australia? What, well, what exactly? It... I mean, if you want to get the full on, you should talk to one of my brilliant colleagues. But I, th- I mean, what it's doing is it's have a very very good clock. With a precision of all point and many, many, many zeros, and then a, a digit at the end, and then you can sort of look at objects and you can decide what is that object, what is that, um, what is that orbit, and and uh, and then you can build a catalog uh, based on that, and that can be helpful for 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 uh, other um, other um, spaceships or 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 satellites and so on. Um, so so. That's that's what it is, ish. But there is a lot more to know about that optical <laughs> antenna, and I'm not I'm not the right guy yeah, to yeah. respond to that in in any more technical depth, I guess. Yeah, but 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 I, I guess it, I, I presume it's it's like a, a technical innovation. It's a it's a it's a it's a it's 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 another piece of space infrastructure yep. that that I guess slots into the, all these kind of international initiatives from from different agencies yes. people like yourself yep. you know obviously NASA ESA etc cetera, etc cetera, CNES everyone and it's just yet another um tool in the toolbox that that tracks space debris space debris yep. and it's like presume like an important one that fills in a gap somewhere in in terms of Ob- where an object is, I, so I, I, understanding it slightly would be that the clock's so accurate you only have to look at the object for a short while yes. so that you know it's where what is position and where it's going. More importantly, no, the, the guy, 
the the guy with a, a big better mathematical brain than me explained <laughs> that if you wouldn't have that many digits, it wouldn't do the job good enough. So mm. you need precision. So yeah. Is there any other element of sustainability that you're that you're looking at other than the sort of net zero and the and the space traffic management yeah. and the I mean, and, and the debris? Is, so so and, we have. I mean, if you look at zooming out on on, I, I talked about human rights, but of course we have a lot of brilliant humans within the company as well, which is also sustainability, of course. How is the workplace and and so on, which is more human resource department that is sort of dealing with that so but it's of course if you look from outside of a company point of view that's also sustainability uh if you talk to stakeholders that we are and then again that's not what i'm doing internally but from an outside perspective we are dealing with a lot of data cybersecurity, extremely um important for us as a, as a company to manage those very large data volumes in 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 in, um, in in a safe manner, uh, a secure manner as well. Um, so, I mean, when I talked to stakeholders, when I was new in our industry, I, I talked to a bunch of customers, a bunch of different stakeholders to understand what is the, you call it materiality. What is the materiality for us as a, as a company? And, and I think those are, are some of them, but I think it's one of the things that we are, are I mean, when it comes to innovation, that it's, expected uh, that we are trying to push for is really any venture, any company or, or business has to solve a problem. Otherwise, you run out of business. And, and the, uh, jointly, the world has this decided on what kind of challenges do we have, what kind of goals, and then you have the sustainable development goals. So that is, in a sense, an innovation canvas. That's like if you can solve these problems, you're increasing the chances of adding value and, 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 you know, being a profitable company as well. So, so that's within our, 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 uh, one of the departments looking at innovation. That's one of the, the guiding stars to, to, you know, see how can we contribute with that? Because that will make us, um, you know, being a reliable, responsible partner, but it's also something which will make us profitable. And so we can reinvest and be relevant in the future. Yeah, it's a really neat way of summing up what you do. Well, be, be, before I let you go, yep. I'm, I'm going to ask you two little questions. And and I've been sitting here thinking that there must be, you must have like a favorite innovation, a sustainability innovation that, that over the last, you know, year, the, the years that you've been working on this, you've gone, ah, oh, that, that really is amazing that we've managed to achieve that. And there must be a, a sort of bugbear problem, like a, a sort of singular problem rather than the sort of big zoomed out problems that that you consider like a, a sort of major problem. So do you want do you want to tackle one of those? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I can take one of the examples, which I, I think is starting to happening in our industry with, I mean, with reusability and, and because you're killing two birds with one stone, even though that sounds brutal, but. I mean, you are actually solving two problems with, with one go. You're, you're really attacking the, 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 the challenge on resources and, and you're doing it on, on, with, with climate as well. So, so that is happening and then we are, are, are sort of providing services in that area. But one of the things I was involved with the, with the IT industry before 
where reusability of old uh, PCs, for example, or other hardware, was really it was sa- saving half a ton of, of CO two emission each um, uh, each computer that you could reuse, and you can do that, and you can really you know rinse it from all the data, and you can do that in a certified way, and and then you would offtake the need for new computers or resources. And, and that would save you 1,000 liters of or 2,000 liters of water per per PC, and you would save a lot of, of, of raw materials as well. And 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 you can solve the customer problem with that PC also. So those kind of smart ways of doing things uh, is is to me really inspiring. Uh, and and uh, and and I, and I take a lot of inspiration, I guess, from our industry as well, because sending up a spaceship. You need to be super careful with resources. Every gram has a cost and a propulsion need and, and, and so on. So I guess there is also going the other way that, I mean, there are companies working with innovation, I mean, in, in, uh, on, on the earth, of course, using technologies from, from space and smart resource solving solutions and so on. I mean, those are many, those examples. But yeah, so I, I think of, of resources, one of the themes I'm, I'm have been keeping my eye on for a long time, and those kind of solutions is is, is, is inspiring. What was the last yeah, one? So, you asked another question. Well, yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah, I I do like that. I do like that that whole idea of instead of stuck, sticking something in the bin, essentially, yeah. you're you're saying it obviously still has a use. Like a, a a PC that was really brilliant ten years ago suddenly is useless. It can't be right. Someone's, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, someone said yes. a waste is a misplaced resource. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. That's a, it's a great quote. Yeah, but well, the other one is 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 there a problem that that seems fairly intransigent, intransient that you can't sort of that that you're waiting for the solution that there's there there are certain problems, particularly in the space industry, that that you feel that someone needs to crack them and and that you're sort of working towards that they're they're the kind of that's that's the major problem. I think that I think what we talked about the space debris issue. To me, the geo satellites. Someone said, I listened to someone from from uh, the authority in the U.S. Uh, one of these, I think it was maybe Noah. One of them, I, I don't remember exactly who it was. He talked about the geo is more like living on the countryside, while while the Leo is more like living uh, downtown, um, a big city or so. It's it's a lot more busy and. So that kind of challenge is to me uh, something worthwhile spending a lot of energy and, and um, brilliant minds to, to solve in a, in a good enough way. So we are sort of keeping below the carrying capacity of, of those different orbits. Um, and and uh, that one is tricky. It's, it's so multidimensional, uh, how they are moving yeah, I mean, and, and so on. Yeah, I mean, it always seems... It all, it almost seems reckless to someone out, outside of that in, industry. It's, it always seems reckless that that something that is a finite resource, like that, there's yes. only so many orbits you can have, right? It, and that's it. Once yes. once they're taken up, and if you've got a bit of de- debris in it, then that's it. It's, yes. it's stuffed. And it's but you, it, it, it always just seems reckless that that there there isn't more effort and more. You know, but I guess it's just really hard to do, isn't it? It's just, it's very, very hard to kind of have a sustainable. But I think it's inspiring what ESA is doing with the zero mission, like zero debris 
and starting to have their own also certification for for uh, missions uh, where you are taking into account the design of a mission and so on, how you are managing through the whole life cycle of, of this object you are sending up and 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 the how you start to have, you know, the fairings is not just, you know, spread out. Some of the new rocket companies are also looking at how they can uh, also make sure that they are not being spread. They are being reutilized or, or mm. um, uh, yeah. So, so there are, I think there are a lot of different things happening, but I think it's not enough and it's not going maybe as fast as it should be. So I think that that's... Um, to me, screams innovation. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Hopefully, everyone's inspired to kind of be a little bit more innovative and, and think of the things that they can do. And uh, that it is funny. I, I do th- that that theme about sustainability should be seen as a kind of gateway to to innovation rather than yeah. something that's a, a, a pain. I'm with you. Thanks very much for explaining what you do, Henrik. It's been really, really interesting. And thanks. Uh, I'll leave you to get back to it, yep. your important work. Thank you. Thanks for having me. The Interplanetary Podcast, putting the ace back into space. So a special mega thanks to my mega patrons, that is Stuart Lawson and Justin Roberts. And of course, the mighty Patreon gang of Ian Holland, Dr. Bob Hodges, Malta Keisling, Alden Vala. Marissa Davis, Ben Guthrie, Mark Shearn, Nicholas Gillenstein, Tyrrell McAllister, Jean Watchtanik, Mark Huber, Seth H., Kate Seal, James King, Adam French, Mark Kelly, and Steve Croucher. Thank you so much. Without that support, this podcast would still not be happening. So thank you very much. You are legends. And if you want to take part in Patreon, just go to patreon forward slash interplanetary and uh, you can join our Discord server and join in the conversation. Much more content coming up soon. Bye!